0: Welcome to Stay Sure, Jason, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity.
1: I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you today? I am very, very well, thank you, Justin. The sun is shining in Cyprus. Uh, I've been busy, I've been productive, all is good in my world. How are things in Canada? I just got up, so
0: I haven't been productive, I haven't been
1: busy, but the
0: sun is still shining and I had to close my blinds so I don't get blinded.
1: It's, this sun thing is weird. Well, it's a side effect of summer.
0: Yeah, it comes in because we don't have a lot of neighbors or buildings. It, it comes right up over the horizon straight in all of the windows here. So, makes a place a little hot in the morning till the sun goes over in in the evening. It's the sun things do. It's 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 amazing how quickly one gets used to the hot temperatures.
1: Yep. You know I've.
0: I've listened to you for years talking about Cyprus and oh, it's a bit cold. Um, we were out last night, 29 degrees, 730 or so, trying to take dog for a walk. And it was, wow, it was decidedly, oh, it's lovely and cool. Isn't it? Um, yeah, we have become so, so used to this heat. It's, uh, quite funny. I'm not looking forward to the days of long pants again. I don't know where they are
1: anymore. Well, and indeed the days of winter, because your winter's pretty extreme as well, I seem to remember. Shh, 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 shh,
0: we don't talk about that. Winter is a four-letter word on this podcast.
1: Oh, well, I will not use the W word again.
0: Thank you. All right, so what's new and exciting in the world of stew?
1: Uh well, I mean, in terms of follow-up, the, the pens uh, finally, finally got to Sweden. Uh, so Martin, who'd uh, written into stationary adjacent i think um or perhaps came to my email i'm not sure which no twitter that's how it happened twitter uh, i sent him uh, a pen or two and you know a few bits and pieces and he seems genuinely pleased with them so that's nice i, I get a little bit of that sort of feel good which i know you've had quite a lot of that feel good what's what's been happening in the world of Toyford?
0: well first off the north american people either haven't yet received their packages or aren't happy about them because i haven't heard anything so hmm. I'm not sure yet. Hopefully, it's just uh, the mail is slow. Um, I did I did something silly the other day, Stu. What was that? I took I took took one for the team. I ordered the Lamy Neo pen. I see that we talked about last week, week before mm-hmm. the Lamy one that uh, will analyze your handwriting and digitize it. I don't know. I'm curious though. It it, it kind of would solve some problems if it actually works. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'd take one for the team.
1: We'll see. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I would say we could compare with the Moleskin version, uh, but the Moleskin version, if it still is in my possession, is in a garage in England in what might be termed deep storage because ah. it, it didn't impress me that, that much. Hmm.
0: That's likely good for its internal battery, I'm sure.
1: I'm sure it'll be excellent.
0: Uh, winter's in England. Hey, no worries. Everything's fine.
1: Yeah. Th- Southern England's very mild down there, don't you worry? Mm,
0: yeah. England keeps getting hot too. Everybody will be in shorts. It'll be the new look when you go into the office. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <sighs> Offices. All right. Uh, I took uh, Mark Marcus Buckingham's new self-assessment tool. Uh, he was... Heavily involved in the Strengths Finders program. Did you ever do uh, Strengths Finders?
1: Uh, I didn't do Strengths Finders, no. Um I I heard about the assessment uh to I think probably the same place as you did, um, on Bookworm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh in the usual sort of stationary adjacent fashion, you went off and did it, and I went off and did it. Um independently, but at the same time. Weird. of the way we do things
0: yeah uh, so marcus buckingham um was working for a company uh, must have been uh, early 2000s 2013 2014 was when i was using it i think um and this was uh, an assessment of your top five traits and it was excellent i did it with my team that i was working with at that point uh, I had everybody go through that. And we sat down and we tried to guess who had what traits, what it really did was it showed sort of the type of communicator, the type of personality that you were. So you could find people that uh, were the, uh, what do they call them? The, the quick go people, you know, they would just go ahead and do it. The other ones that needed all the information, but what it did is it doing this as a process within the team. Really helped to let everybody understand how everybody else worked and communicated and tailored their communication for it. So it's actually one of the best programs I'd kind of invested in myself. So I was pretty excited that he's got a new book out, uh, which I didn't put a link in the show notes because I'm bad. Uh, But it goes to a a new uh, website that that he's got a new self-assessment tool. Uh, I'll have the links in the show notes for everybody uh, because, oh yeah, there it is. Uh, The Gift of Standout is called by Marcus Buckingham. And you could take this for free online. Uh, So I thought I would try it and see what I came up with. And then I sent it over to you and you you said, yeah, I've done the same. So interestingly, uh, my top two roles are a teacher... And an equalizer, which is interesting. People are your project and your product. You instinctively develop people and you tend to do it by bringing method and process and accountability to what you do. I mean, just in the first uh, sentence, they kind of nailed it with me. Uh, So that, uh, you know, they, they kind of point to uh, structure for me, I feel that structure supports growth rather than hinders it. So I'm always looking to build systems, which may come in handy today when we talk about our, our topic of the day. But uh, it's really a, an interesting part for me to look at that and see that, you know, I, I like to build these systems and that I like to train people. I guess it explains why I do my part of the podcast. Um, it's kind of interesting and pretty on point for me so i i was kind of interested in uh what you thought yours results were stu were they indicative of you were they on target off target
1: well well first of all i've, I've got to say i'm disappointed because when i i read that your roles were teacher and equalizer mm-hmm. i thought okay so this is someone who teaches um but then if if the person's done up a scratch you just shoot them oh i mean that's what Edward Woodward used to do as the equalizer. Just go around and kill people.
0: Hey, I live, I live out in rural Canada now. Uh, that is probably a possibility up here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he was doing on the mean streets of, oh, I don't know, New York, Chicago. Depends which series you were watching, I guess. Um, uh, well, I came out as, uh, also as a teacher, um, uh, funnily enough, and also as a, a provider. So provider and teacher. Uh, You're an investor. Your currency is people. You believe in the amazing potential of those you meet. You never stop considering what more you can do to support their growth and development. You care so much about your impact on those you serve that you constantly find ways to hone your craft, increase your knowledge, advance your qualification. Look, I used to run a training company. So yeah, there's definitely quite a lot of that. You know, developing of people is central to what I've done throughout my career um i've always found because i used to run uh i didn't design any don't, let's not get started on that but i used to run various tools like this so one that was very very big when i was uh in practice was by a company called belbin personality factor was another one uh what was it called the 16 pf i think 16 pf um Uh, A whole load of different tools, similar sort of methodology where they ask you questions and and get you to give you rapid fire answers uh, and then sort of assess your strengths from them. And I think they're very, very useful. My one observation would be that they tend to reflect your current position because, um, you know, every every finance director was once a barista or a um, layabout student you know we we all have a uh, a journey that we go on through life and certainly my personality tests when uh i was uh, in a ceo or coo role were um uh, along the lines of this guy's a psychopath don't get the wrong side of him um when I was running a training company, I was doing a lot of tr- delivery of training. I, you know, I was very, very cuddly and similar to this, you know, lots of people t- type skills or development of people, communication, that type of thing. Uh, right now, the businesses that I run are, uh, I hate to use the term, but lifestyle businesses. I'm not driven to grow them and grow them and grow them. I don't want my consultancy to have lots of consultants. Uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a, a vehicle for me um and so i don't need to be that sort of bottom line oriented and all of the things that you put on your linkedin profile um so yeah I, th- I think these things are very very useful um particularly when you don't have to pay for them um and you can you know you can you can take them and go okay so w- what is this saying uh and as you get a little bit older i'm sure that you looked at questions and thought hmm i know what will happen if i answer this question that way yeah. um you know there are some little bear traps set there um but yeah i think it's uh it's a really good tool i think it's probably fairly accurate of how, of how i am uh at the moment yeah definitely hmm. i
0: i thought it was spot on for me um you know and your currency is people Stu. what was your uh your industry for the longest time it's definitely got you nailed hasn't it out uh, my people are currency i mean that's
1: <laughs> that's perhaps the other way of looking at it
0: I can see echoes of Sean in there somewhere. But. No, uh, it's it's kind of cool. I found it. Uh, it took me 10, 15 minutes to go yeah. through and answer the questions on it. It just gives you a little bit of, hey, this is how you're answering questions at the moment, and this is what you're top traits are. As I say, I'm not a huge fan of some of these. Some of these are like, okay, what do you do with that? Having gone through strength finders with Mm. this gentleman before, um, I was willing to take that investment. And I I don't think it taught me anything new, but it certainly, um, you know, helped me think of just how I am and uh, a reality check, I think, a touch point for, is this really who I am right now?
1: And are you going to read the book?
0: I'm not sure. I've got a few other books on the go at the moment. Um He did two books over Strength Finders. One was sort of the Strength Finder program itself. hmm And then they did a uh Discover Your Strengths, which was uh by Marcus Buckingham. Uh and that was very good. It was really on how to analyze the results. So there there may be some value in actually reading the book and looking at this and going, okay, what does that mean? tell me about the results and what does it really say? I think at this point in my life, I'm a bit like you, to. I've probably done a lot of these different tests and mm. personality types and stuff like that. So it's, um, you know, not something that I need to do. And largely this fits in with, uh, how I feel myself to be. So I'm not sure there would be a lot of value gained in it. I think if I was working on a team and having people on the team do something like this, kind of like we just did, uh, then I think it might be a lot more interesting to dig deeper on what Stu is as a provider versus me as the assassin or uh, what, what is it, the equalizer.
1: Indeed. Uh,
0: but, yeah, anyway. And then just for something a little lighter than that, because that seemed a little goofy, I found there is, how do I say this without cracking up? There are the World Excel Championships. And even better because th- think about it World Excel, like Microsoft Excel, um, they are being streamed on ESPN and have full ESPN commentary. You know how golf commentaries are, well, perhaps not the most exciting thing. If you've ever heard people talking about, oh, look, he's used this formula, um, it makes golf. Commentary sound like the most exciting thing on TV. I just a never knew this was a thing, and b, um, what has cable TV come to when they're putting on the World Excel Championships? As somebody that has to use Excel all the time, I just found this hilarious. Are you going to uh, practice up and uh, log in next
1: time, Stu? It's not often that I'm struggling for words. Um. Certainly, ones that could be uh, allowed on our podcast. I, good heavens! There we are. Um, it just shows that there's, you know, there's a corner of the internet for everyone. Uh, but, but no, I'm, I'm happy just to accept reports from you as and when, Justin. I, I, I don't. I, I clicked on the link now, and I, I feel a little bit dirty. I've got to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> Should
0: I put a "not safe for work" um, <laughs> flag on
1: it? it is astonishing really is astonishing i'm sure there's a website out there and somebody somebody might write in and tell us uh there's probably a website out there where you can watch paint dry i i'll i'll bet you it exists it'll be on youtube
0: somewhere i i have a um a webcam and i have paint i, I could make this well there you go
1: your fortune has been made Justin. that's a small commission is all i ask
0: somebody sent me a picture of a ferrari that it is
1: one of his favorite YouTubers
0: had just bought, and I was like, you are, we are really in the wrong business here because we certainly are not having Ferraris. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think maybe this might be my forgotten corner of YouTube paint drying. Well, right,
1: here's, here's a statistic for you. Uh, there are more people in Italy who own a Ferrari than pay the top rate of tax. That isn't surprising. And if you compare those numbers, uh, you would imagine it impossible to own a Ferrari without being a top rate taxpayer. But there you go. Mm.
0: If you could afford the maintenance on them, you're fine. That's the big problem with those. But anyway, let's move
1: on. Uh, what is your tool of the week? Uh, the, my tool of the week this week uh, morning routine. Uh, something very straightforward and simple. I've, I have sort of turned away. I, I got turned off by streaks, the idea of streaks and, oh, I've got to close this ring and close that ring. And I think everybody knows that there's a, a possible sort of negative effect that those can have upon you because you can get obsessed with them. You can get overly concerned about them. Whereas actually all they're trying to do is positively reinforce a behavior change that you're trying to make. Uh, and you can forget the behaviour change. So, uh, the, the one that people know is that go on to uh, the internet and ask how you can cheat your Apple rings, and you know that you'll find thousands of tips of how you can do it. So you don't lose that streak. You know how do you keep your streak if you're flying internationally? How do you do this? How do you do that? There are ways and means. Um, so I sort of abandoned a lot of those things and ended up therefore being a little bit disjointed in the morning. So um, I like to try and meditate every day. And the best way of of achieving a habit like that is to try and sort of fix it to a point in the day. And so um, I've I've been constructing, uh, as we will get to later, a sort of way of um, prompting myself into a morning routine. And I've been doing it for a week or two now. And it's, it's, I'm doing really well. I'm very pleased. It's sort of happening. I'm getting the effects that I wanted. I'm pleased. Um, one little thing that concerns me is that my leg is, uh, you know, the famous stew septic leg is, uh, is healing. And so soon I'll be back onto the golf course, um, which tends to make a complete mess of my schedule, particularly my morning routine. So i um, w- wondering how I'm going to make all of that work. Anyway, what's your tool of the week? Hmm. I was just thinking about yours and the Mm.
0: meditating part. Uh, My dog has stolen my meditation cushion. I have a zabuton on the floor with a bolster. And that has become my dog's favorite perch now. So despite the fact she's got a large comfy bed with all of her toys on the other side of the room, she comes into my office and sits on my meditation mat. Uh, Therefore, making meditation even more difficult. So uh, I, I need a plan as well. Sit, sit in the dog bed. Okay. My, my daughter would love that. Um, I'm not sure I would. Anyway, let's talk about my stuff. Uh, oh boy. What ha- uh, impacted, we're going to go with the word impacted my productivity this week. Other people's schedules very negatively impacted mine. I had two appointments, phone calls that I had to deal with some business stuff the other day and shortly before each one, they texted me and said, oh, can I postpone it? Oh, can we do this later? And as someone who's a nerd, a productivity nerd who plans my day around these meetings, and I'm the kind of person that I, I, I don't go to a meeting if, you know, we, Stu and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, if Stu, if you want to get a meeting with Stu, you better tell Stu what we're talking about. Uh, I'm very much the same way. If we're setting up a meeting, I want to know what it is that we're talking about, what the agenda is, and I'm actually going to come prepared for that meeting. So there was me having done my prep, having scheduled my day around that, having got my work blocks. And other people just, well, do their own stuff. Uh, I found this very frustrating and it certainly uh, affected my mood and sort of my rescheduling for the productivity. And, you know, I, again, I know I'm in a very privileged position where this kind of stuff can bother me, but Stu, have you got any tips on how not to rip somebody's head off when they delay you? Cause that was kind of the mood I was in.
1: Uh, well, I mean, my first answer was bill them. Uh, send them an invoice. Mm. So uh, my, my rack rate is £2,500 a day or any part of a day uh, used. So I would send them a bill for £2,500. Hmm. I wonder if I could do that. That, that tends to get their attention. <laughs> they won't pay it, but it does get their attention. Um, and, you know, it, it allows you to open that conversation and say, look, I've put time into planning this. Uh, I've done my preparation because I'm a professional, and the reason you want to talk to me is because I'm a professional. I've put time aside. You've, for whatever reason, not been able to meet meet that commitment, which has therefore meant that my day has been disrupted. Y- you can't do that sort of thing. Now, I-, I have given a slightly nicer answer as well, which is um, <laughs> it does happen, and I, <laughs> I think um, – I think you probably know in your heart when it's genuine and when it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, and when it's, you know, somebody just really can't be, can't be bothered. Um, that is infuriating and that's where I would (laughs) seriously consider billing them. Or, um, that, that famous one of, um, just fire a client. Um, clients get really surprised when that happens. I've done it twice, um, with consultancy clients and I've just said to them, I've said, look. Um, the way that I work and the way that you work is incompatible. So uh, let's shake hands now and part. And they and go, no, no, look, sorry, no, I've just been, and I go, sorry, this isn't a discussion. You've stood me up twice. That's it. <laughs> it's over. Goodbye. Um, not everybody is in that privileged position. And I think what you have to do is, is sort of, um, you know, get, get very zen about this very Buddhist about the whole thing and say, look, oh, look, I've been given the gift of two slots, whether it be half an hour an hour or whatever. Um, I'm going to go and take a walk in nature, listen to running water, any of those hippie, dippy, positive psychology stuff. It's, it's true. We are really busy. And if you suddenly get half an hour, then maybe it's a good idea to go and make your other half a coffee or um, or use that time for something fun you know, which for, you know, Justin and I might be nerding out on setup or, uh, for Justin, it might be, uh, working with his, with his task manager, who knows? Um, for me, it would be heaven knows what. Um, but yeah, you just have to sort of try and not let it impact you so badly. Frame it as, oh, here's a gift of a, of a half hour that I can do what I wish with. Uh, but I agree with you. It is absolutely infuriating, particularly when you know that it's not a genuine, like, some, life happens to people just as it happens to us that's fine I, I don't think you have a problem with that or i have a problem with that but you also know when people are going do you know what i i can't be i can't be bothered and i would just rather do this some other time and you just think that's that's rude pure and simple
0: yeah, I don't think I can fire these two. Uh, they're in sort of the jobby job and uh you know, there's one of them is in a position of ownership which never helps, but uh-huh. yeah, uh two in a day was a little tough. And it it wasn't necessarily the gift of the half hour. It was the frustration of rescheduling my day because sure. here, you know, we talked about it last week for the calendars. I go through and I've got my calendars and then I block schedule my day around that now all of a sudden where I had this now two hour block I've now got a half hour block a meeting for half an hour and then an hour afterwards and and that's that takes away my productivity and it takes away the plan that I had and eh,
1: made me grumpy context shifting is really really hard
0: yeah and uh, I I feel for anybody that's in a real office that has to deal with zoom calls and committees and all that junk um yeah, it was. I, I tell you, I was. You know, the the one problem I have, and I know you're not drinking, but uh, I'm I'm still fighting that uh, that battle for both of us. Um, there's something about walking outside my office to, you know, take a little bit of a break, get away, you know, cool down, walk away, and, and I see my wine fridge and my liquor cabinet, and uh, I'm looking at it. Ten o'clock in the it's 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 drinking time at Stew's. Maybe I should have one for Stew exactly there you go
1: I, I i didn't
0: of course uh you know i'm I'm certainly not that but uh yeah you know that temptation of just walking out and seeing that and going, you know what squirt i'm just going to start drinking today i'm going to have one of those days you remember when you were young stew and you just kind of did those crazy things uh, yes uh, ah, or old for that now i'd pay for that all week but uh, the idea is still there
1: I, I always took the precaution of taking the boss with me that, <laughs> that was how i made that work Um, but yes, you've got to, you've got to say, you've got to do that. You've got to walk out of the office, perhaps not to the wine fridge, but you know, go play with Coco for a bit and chill out and, uh, just put it down to being old and grumpy, I guess.
0: I do that part very well. Don't I still?
1: All right. What are you writing with this week? Uh, this week I have uh, a trinity of Pelican. So, um, I've got, um, you know, a, a, a big one. (laughs) medium one and a little one so the big one is the uh souverain m805 uh blue dunes lovely um uh we've put a link in the show notes which is for a fine nib obviously that's not what i'm using i've got a broad uh which has got my diamond blue black in it uh then i have the pelican m600 vibrant orange which is a limited edition it's a beautiful pen um with uh the Les Gibson Honeyburst, lovely, lovely ink from Diamine as well. Uh, And then uh, I have the little baby Pelican M205 Star Ruby, which is a very sort of ruby pinkish sort of color uh, with the accompanying Pelican ink, Star Ruby. Mm. Absolutely beautiful set of pens. Very different from the Japanese nibs that I was using last week. Uh, These are, you know, broad, broad. They'd be way too big for you, I would have thought. Uh, The Star Ruby is a steel... I'm going to say medium, so you could probably just about cope with that. But the the, the gold broads that are on the uh, the other ones mm, be be a bit sort of fat for you, I would say.
0: Mm. Uh, speaking of Pelican, uh, I know by the time this hits, it's probably going to be too late. Um, do you, have you ever been to one of the Pelican hubs that they do or used to do and are now starting up again this year? No, I haven't. Mm. I hosted the last one in Vancouver, which was really cool. 60 people uh, from the Fountain Pen community came out to an Irish uh, whiskey bar that I'd picked downtown. We got a room for ourselves. It was just a real blast. But um, I put in, I'm not sure if it'll happen because you need a certain number of people, but I've been Mm -hmm. uh, heavily promoting on the interwebs uh, that I've put in for one of the local cities uh, that I would organize a... Pelican hub should people ever, uh, be interested and live out this way. Cause as I said, there's not even a stationary store near me, but, uh, I figure there's gotta be a few people I've, I've connected with a couple already, so you never know. Maybe there will be a local fountain pen club, uh, in the area. If I'm, if I'm lucky. Very cool. Why not? I figure I got to meet people, Stu. I work from home and uh, I don't go anywhere, so. I don't know anybody locally apart from, you know, my neighbors as I walk around with Coco. So I have to do something to meet people, and pen people tend to be good
1: people. Yep, I'd agree with that. Sounds like a cracking idea. Talking of which, what are you using this week? All right, I'm, I'm actually really boring again.
0: For the second week in a row, I have no new pens and ink. I'm still rocking the Visconti, the Lamy Dialogue, the Leonardo, and the Diplomat Arrow. And you know what's still on my desks, do? After a week and a bit, uh, no. the almighty Bic, the cheapest pen I possibly own, has now got a privileged place on my computer desk where no pens shall live. Uh, and I've been writing with it all week, and it's absolutely lovely. I forgot how much I loved this pen until I found it, and oh my God, I'm still rocking it, so... Yeah, I'm crazy. I know uh, all the expensive pens and this is, this is the one that I'm reaching for. <laughs> there is something nice about a little pop cap that you can just throw off and take a note and not have to unscrew and worry about your ink flow. It just, it just works too. It's, it's crazy. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go deep down that uh, hole, but it's, it's kind of nice to have as an option once in a while.
1: Why not? There's room for every pen.
0: Mm. All right. Should we get into the meat of the show? I know you've been excited to get into this. (laughs) Task management. (laughs) Managing tasks. Uh, We we talked about this a little bit last week. And uh, I I wrote a book. Um, Just a couple of little notes that uh, I had some thoughts on. Task managers. Um, Do you want to start off with a small how you use a task manager or do you want me to go head head first into my thoughts too
1: well look i think your expertise is probably what uh, the listener needs to hear so you lead us off and i'll I'll occasionally interrupt you all right sounds good
0: so managing tasks this a task manager comes back to david allen i think if you've listened to the show for any length of time you know, this gentleman, uh, getting things done GTD was sort of the change for a lot of us in the early two thousands, but David Allen recommended a trusted system. And yes, I had the 43 folders, uh, in a little briefcase by my desk and printed stuff out and put it in there, the ticker file system. The idea of David Allen is that you have one system a place where you go for everything to get it out of your head to take away that stress the trusted system and my task manager for me is my trusted system and i'm i'm going to challenge it. it doesn't matter which task manager you use whether it's a bullet journal whether it's uh, something that pops up on your screen things or tasks or reminders, even within, uh, the Apple ecosystem, um, Outlook. Well, I still have questions and challenges with that one, but that's a whole different story, but I really recommend the use of a task manager. And as Stu talked about last week, Mm -hmm. the key to a task manager is consistency. Um, and I think that's where Stu, if I'm not mistaken your ability to trust a test manager falls down because you kind of come in and go out of a test manager,
1: right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think uh, on a couple of occasions, my brief history with with task management would be that it was done manually, analog. Um, I used that for many years, had no problem with that, worked very well. Um, I'm old enough to be have been in a position where I had a trusted system that was a person and and she looked after everything dealt with everything and i could trust her to put her hand on whatever i needed um you know time times have moved on and that sort of thing doesn't exist anymore but in terms of electronic methods uh then I've been into a system and then sort of gradually lost focus or interest or, uh, or perhaps trust is the word and um, sort of drifted away and then drifted back into sort of hybridy things. And yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a journey Justin.
0: Yeah. And I completely get that and understand that and, and, and have have kind of gone through some of those journeys myself at different times. Um, the system has to be a trusted system, which means everything goes in there. It's where you regularly go, you routinely go, whether it's paper ticker folder, digital task manager. Stu's crazy calendar system from last week that uh, still bothers me. Uh, I, I edited the show and listened to that and still uh, it was cringing a little bit as the uh, the way that look for things to see when you last did it. Uh, Anyway, uh, it works for Stu, so it's good. It's his trusted system. As long as your system is trusted out of your head, it's what matters. So for me, obviously, I think anybody who's listening to the show knows I've been a, a heavy Omni-focus user for, well, as long as I've had a Mac. Uh, I've had several versions of it. It's on computers, tablets, phones. It is one of the very few apps, and everybody who listens to this show knows how few of these are, that can notify me. It can beep at me, which is very strange. It's my trusted system because I capture everything in there. I'm in there at least two or three times a day. The reason I chose OmniFocus is for good or for evil. It is largely GTD based, at least until David Allen rewrote the book a few years back. Uh, so I want to share some thoughts on how I use my task manager. Because test managers, I think, like email, can be evil places of distraction. You have it open and there's always something to do. There's always, you can always look in there and find the next thing. I believe that the best way to work with a test manager is to open it, to look at it, to make a note of what you've got to do. I have talked about it before I use the analog uh, cards. That's where I prioritize my stuff, uh, prioritize my one thing. And then the next thing after that, that will get prioritized just so I don't get an argument from Stu. (laughs) Um, I do not leave my task manager open throughout the day. And that's what I think an analog system, a blended system can really be your friend here because otherwise it, it is just a distraction trap. Um, what do you think on that, Stu? Any thoughts from when you've used task managers? Can it become a trap in itself, managing tasks just for the sake of managing tasks?
1: Absolutely, it can. I mean, my experience were with OmniFocus was exactly that, that um, I don't think I ever took the time to learn it properly, or I learned it in in that way that you you go, oh, okay, that's really cool, and then forget it. And so the next day, I would be looking. It's like, how do you do that? Oh, I can't remember. And I ended up spending so much time moving things around, uh, Googling how to get a certain perspective set up. Or, or I, I don't think I ever really understood properly how it worked and therefore spent an enormous amount of time uh, with sort of management of the system rather than using the system to prioritize the tasks that I needed to do in the real world. So I don't think it was its fault. It was mine, Mm -hmm. but I I definitely lost hours and hours and hours. And like you, I use, I use the analog cards still, uh, you know, regardless of where my, uh, my is, if you like, where my sort of long-term big list of tasks, I still sit every day and I write a little analog card with what I'm going to do that day. Um, and I agree with you that focus, that simplicity is very, very important.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it really can be a place that you get lost. If you're, if you're not, uh, focused on what you're doing, you know, you really want to have a test manager as a tool, not to be the system that takes over your life just in my opinion, and I'm, I'm lucky I've been using this for long enough that it works for me. So one of the things I I do, and this is a Mac specific thing. So if you're on a windows computer, I'm not sure what your alternatives are. Um, I capture during the day because there's always things that come up. And I think this is a bit like email, the one problem you have, you want to send an email and all of a sudden you're half an hour into your inbox answering, you know, five other emails that you really shouldn't be doing at that point. Uh, I capture my to-dos in drafts and use the built-in automation to move my tasks to the OmniFocus inbox. So the inbox in OmniFocus, and again, I'm going to speak largely from that perspective because I haven't used a lot of other ones. This one works. I I trust it. I rely on it. I, I haven't spent, I haven't needed to change the tool just for the sake of changing a tool which is always a really good thing if in my opinion but the inbox is a place where things aren't categorized they aren't scheduled it's just kind of a landing spot so at the end of the day i can go through there and figure out what i need to follow up on what i need to do so for example during the day i'm doing something and i need to follow up on that in a week and make sure it got done i can just put in put a capture in drafts follow up on task a put it into, into drafts, send it over to OmniFocus. And then at the end of the day, I can go back and look at it and say, okay, where am I actually going to put this? When am I going to schedule it for so that it comes up for review? And I think that's really, really important. Stu talks about, uh, what do you call them? Stu, uh, preferences or uh, perspectives, uh, context. If we go back to GDD. Set up context, if possible, I have separate context for work projects, personal projects, uh, such as podcasting. I have each of my podcasts has its own context in there. Uh, I have a lot of stuff for things I need to do around the house and been able to focus that. So all I'm going to do this morning is look at this business. I'm going to click on this view and it's going to show me just what I want to see. That is related to that business is really really good. In uh, OmniFocus, is also a forecast. So I tend to use uh, due dates uh, on everything uh, and defer dates. Which I'm not sure if most task managers have defer dates. Uh, do they? Do they have those now, Stu?
1: Uh, they do. They use different uh, terminology. So um, due dates uh, tend to be called deadlines by a lot of um, task managers. And so you have date and then deadline. Okay. But it comes down to the same thing, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. So the due date is fairly straightforward. It's your deadline. This is a date that you want it to pop up and remind you that you need to get this done. The defer date is great. Um, Stu's log from last week, going back and looking at when he changed the batteries in the fire alarm, for example, are things that I do a little differently. I do them in task manager. I put them in a task manager. And I use a defer, a repeat and a defer date. So I will say, okay, every six months I want to change the batteries or check the batteries because I don't even have to change them in my smoke detectors. What I can do is put that in there and say, well, I don't even need to see that. I want to defer that until five months from now, because there's no point in me looking at it for the next six months and having that cognitive load in... OmniFocus, that kind of takes them. They're still there, but they're sh- shaded in the background. So you just overlook them because there's nothing actionable on it. Taxes are great because, you know, until you complete a year, you can't file your taxes. Um, those dates, there's no point me looking at that and having that cognitive load cluttering up my, my to-do list. If I can't do anything about it. So I've set up those with a lot of frequency, um, a lot of checks, you know, things that just remind me to go and and do this and do that. I have a perspective called periodic activities that includes things like, you know, checking the oil in my car, checking, uh, I start up the engines on all the outdoor stuff, you know, once a month I'll go out and start up my snowblower in the middle of 30 degree weather in the summer you know, weird things like that because they're preventative maintenance. I've got fridge filters in there, microwave filters. I've got my air conditioning service in there. Weird things like that, that need to be done, can't be done. I don't see them. They're kind of deferred. They're they're shaded out. So they're, they're not cluttering up. And that, that means that my, my focus is every day used very, very timely on things that are important and that are, um, date driven and timely and very important. And it can really help you really get down to what's important because that's always the question, right? What's really important. You know, your insurance isn't that important until you forget to renew it and get a ticket for it. But it certainly seems like that when you're at that point, but you can't do anything about it for 12 months out of the year until the next time. So I, that is, I think my biggest takeaway use dates, Uh, Use them sparingly, use repeats, put things in there and go from there. Some things, projects, for example, you can use them if appropriate. Podcast processing, to me, is a recurring project from recording to editing the sound to editing the actual uh, mix for the podcast to creating the show arts, posting it up. Each step is important to finish that project. So I have repeating projects in there for stationary adjacent once a week, it pops up and gives me a list of subtasks and they largely have to be done in that order in order to be complete. I don't use projects too often for singular work things, short-term work things, for example, posting the podcast to the internet. Um, It has several discrete steps, but they're not particularly important and unrelated. You can't do one without another. For example, there's no point me saying, upload the audio file, put the show notes in on the audio file, put the show notes in on the main website, schedule the post, upload the artwork. They're just useless tasks. So I just have one process that I've lumped that into because that generally all takes place at the same time. Things that take place differently are their own sort of sub subtask within a project. Does that make sense, Stu?
1: Yep, so far, so good.
0: All right. Uh, so be as specific as needed, but not too limiting and task-driven. And, and honestly, that's, as I just mentioned, is where, for me, task managers can differ from the traditional GTD. Mm-hmm. The GTD part is define the next action. And once the action is done, define the action after that. Um, I find that process can be very, very time consuming. Again, I've kind of blocked time. My, my time where I was ranting about that and the people that interrupted so rudely uh, the other day, I know what I'm going to do in that block time. And so I could kind of put my lumps into my tasks to do that you know, I've got to do some uh, government filings for one of the businesses this week. And there are a series of businesses and I have to log into different things and I have to get numbers from here and I have to get them there. That's, That's one task that I will do in sort of a two hour, three hour block. And that's all it is. One thing on my task manager. I see people that have, you know, hundreds, thousands of tasks in their task manager. If you're doing that, you're getting the essence of it wrong. If you need it, great, go ahead and do what you need to do. But I think what you end up doing with hundreds of tasks is you end up then having to manage your task manager. And that's not something you want to do. You know, your task manager is a tool. That's all it is. You know, keep it as, as logical as it makes sense for you. If there's something that you need to do that you're likely to forget and has, or had a hard deadline, Put that in but a lot of this stuff can be not quite as gtd as one would expect
1: yeah i mean i think um as will become obvious in a minute i've been doing quite a lot of thinking about this uh this week indeed today and um one of the things that i found interesting is um and this really is you and i you know we're about to do the version of the XL world championships i think. But it's thinking about what is a project, what is a task. Um, And I've been, I've been doing some training that I did a long time ago, a course that I bought, Um, but you know, I'm just redoing it because I've clearly forgotten it all. Um, And the guy, the guy there, uh, his name is Peter, Peter Akis, um, is talking about, you know, what is a project, what constitutes a project, and i bless him, sometimes he kind of trips over his own definition, but um, it's to me. Uh, Let me give you the example of the morning routine. What I wanted from the morning routine was it broken down into those, you know, actionable tasks, bang, 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 because I'm trying to build a habit. So there's a very specific requirement there that I want that task broken down, which is the opposite of what you're saying about, um, you know, filing the, the company documentation. And I agree with you. I think for most things, you're right, that's one task. You know it's seven tasks. I know it's seven tasks because we do them all the time. But we don't need to write out those seven tasks just because it makes us feel good or because it makes our OmniFocus or other app look, you know, fuller. Um, But if you're trying to build a habit specifically, like a morning routine, you know, part of my problem is is that I can't remember what I'm supposed to do. So having it in in a little list definitely helps. As that becomes natural to me, as it, the habit is formed and sticks, then I think within my task manager, it will become just one task. <laughs> so it's, as you say, it's, it's being um, context-specific about what it is you're trying to do, what the aid memoir, which ultimately is what a task manager is, what it is, is trying to do for you. And that to me, actually having sort of reviewed it all today, is the key to really understanding your task manager, is what's a task, what's a project, what needs to go into your task manager? So, um, you know, I don't need to put into my task manager, walk the dogs. Mm-hmm. Because believe me, I get up in the morning and the dogs let me know it's time to go for a walk. The, there is no danger of me forgetting that that information. And it is a habit, it's something I do every day. And I think my problem in the past was that I, I perhaps believed the PR w- from from these companies, which is, you know, the more you put into the system, the more you rely upon it, which is very much, you know, comes from David Allen's book, uh, the more useful you will find it. And so I was like, okay, so this is what I need to do every day. And, you know, to the extent of, you know, I need to go to the shower. Um, and, and that became unwieldy, silly, and I think appealed to, to everyone's natural, um, tendency to, to procrastinate through busy work. And look at this, I've got this amazing I know exactly what's happening for the next year, but you haven't done any work. Uh, and that's where I kind of got to, and I think the sort of customized, you know, brew your own system that you, you recommend, I think is far more powerful. Mm -hmm.
0: It's, it's become sort of my, you know, my trusted system to go back to the opening comment. Um, we were just ta- you were just talking about uh things to do in the morning. I still to this day have repeating tasks that show up Monday to Friday. For there are four items in my morning startup. There are four items in my evening start or evening shutdown. So before I or when I get to work, i.e. when I start up my computer, sit down here, I go through these four things. Now they're obvious things. They could be one thing. Start up your morning. But I've learned that I've distilled, as as Stu said, my list down to the the four key things. And if I don't do each one of these, I miss something. Because sometimes it's very easy to come in, you've got, I've got a project on, I need to do this. And then you miss something big. One of those things in the morning is to pick my top three things to accomplish in the evening my afternoon shutdown is actually to review and complete omnifocus and as, as silly as that actually sounds it is really effective to have that i do i need it no it's kind of second nature to me but if i don't see it and i don't have to check it off in my review i can miss things and i've done that where something's come through and one of the things i need to review And I just haven't bothered looking at it because big task, I'm motivated. I've got a four-hour block. I'm just going to run at it and I miss something. And so that's why I kind of have those in there just to remind myself to check on a couple of things before I start my day, uh, help in the planning process of what I'm going to do that day, and then certainly give myself feedback, feedback on what I did. Did I do those things? Uh, What else needs to be done? Um, OmniFocus has a forecast view, which is basically a date list of everything that is due today. And that's honestly where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, And I do recommend that make sure whatever you've got, if you put dates on them for due dates, that you have something that will come up and show me sort of the way the next week of all the stuff I need to do, because some things, you know, you, you have a deadline on, but it's going to take more than five minutes to do that, which means you need to start a couple of days in advance by reviewing your OmniFocus on a regular basis. You can really understand where things are and having a view where you can see sort of a week or two at a time, you're not going to miss any of those big things. The review. So GTD, this comes back to GTD. And one of the main reasons that I picked this task manager is OmniFocus has a built-in review process. Uh, Does yours have anything like that, Stu? What are you using and uh, what have you tried? And does anything have a review process in it?
1: Uh, Yes and no. Let let me come back to that in a second. I think, first of all, you explain how the review works.
0: All right. So in OmniFocus, there is a review tab. And what that will do is take you through... Every task that you have open, uh, you can see which ones you can't action on because they've been deferred. You could see everything that you do have dates for. Everything you don't have a date for is still in there as a thing to do. I have some generic content creation stuff in there. I kind of have one Perspective in there where if I'm looking for an article to write, I keep some of my ideas. They're not date specific I'm not that sort of YouTuber that needs to put this out on this date for this audience They're just there as a think pad for me So they don't show up when I'm looking at any of my date things Uh, every periodic basis, I can go through those and see them. I can access them, obviously, going through uh, the projects that I've got set up or tags. Uh, OmniFocus 3 move to tags, so you can add those if you use them. They're basically contexts for you, uh, but the review is important. You go through, you look at everything, you adjust dates if you need to. Oh, this is coming up. I hadn't thought about that. I need to start thinking about that. Um, this date has changed. Something happened. Uh, you know, this filing date is now earlier, whatever it is, you can figure it out then and there, and you can set up the period for that. The default is one week. So I have most of my things, particularly the periodic stuff. I have a a thing called do. So anything I have to do is in there. I have my work stuff and I've got my podcast stuff. And those tend to be something I can review weekly because I want to make sure that everything got done, checked out. And set up the next recurrence of that in most cases. I can have some task groups scheduled longer. For example, articles that I wanna write, I only wanna see those once a month because then I wanna review them and think about them and do a little bit longer review. There's no point seeing those every week because if you see something too frequently, you just glance over it, ignore it, and click the OK button. Basically you move on, right? You get, you get too much information. So you really only want to see the important things. And that's kind of the way that I work with OmniFocus and it it was what sold me on the system and I continue to use it. Mine's set up. So on a Sunday I come to it and it will prompt me to do a weekly review. And in fact, I do actually have a little tag that says, make sure you've done a weekly review, uh, because Hey. I've got to have a task for that. Uh, and it's just so useful for me. Uh, how's that to work against your experience, Stu? Uh,
1: well, I think the sort of um, the whole review perspective as um, a sort of standard uh, standard issue function, if you like, is I don't think it's unique to OmniFocus, but it's definitely close to unique. Um, there are ways of achieving that sort of prompting through the other ones, uh, but none of them that I've used anyway, uh do it naturally. Um the the pro- possibly the closest is a one called uh, to do, which is uh the number two DO, uh which is a it's quite a powerful app. Actually, it's in setup if you're if you're that way inclined. Um it's very um uh GTD. So there's even a setting that you can sort of go, uh, you know, give me pure GTD with everything going to an inbox and all of that sort of jazz. Um it's it's powerful, but it's a little bit um industrial. So it's not attractive on your device, particularly. It's a very cluttered interface. Uh you look at it, or I look at it anyway and go, oh wow. <laughs> What 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 the hell do I press here? Um, so I looked at that one, um, and s- some very good reviews. Been around a long time. Uh, Federico Vertici was a big fan of To Do for quite a long time, uh, so that should give you some sort of inkling of what sort of app it is. If, if Federico's into it, um, what else? To Doist is very well thought of, um, but you're essentially in web app world. Um, okay. It, I think it now has native apps, but they're not native. So native is the wrong word, but I think you know what I mean. Electron apps or something like that that run. Something like that, I think, yeah. Um, other ones that I've come across, Task Paper. That's very a la mode at the moment. Uh, it's all marked down. It's very stripped back. Uh, and as long as you you're sort of halfway to being a coder, then you'll be able to make it jump through all sorts of hoops and do amazing things using nothing but a markdown file. Um, but if you're me, then it, it's, I, you just going to look at it and go, this looks like a list, um, which, you know, is both its strength and its weakness, I guess. Um, then there's all the, uh, the, the notes apps that, you know, you and I have, have sort of touched on Obsidian, Roam, Notion, Craft, all of those can be task managers. I'm, I'm with David Sparks that they're, they're okay task managers, but there are really good task managers out there. use a task manager for task managing and a notes thing for notes. But again, that's probably just age. Um, note plan is another one worth looking at. That's in setup. Um, sort of combo, it, you know, it would turn you off because there's calendar notes uh, and task managers sort of all rolled into one there. Uh,
0: well, I, I should say that in OmniFocus, I do see calendar tasks or upcoming calendars in there as well.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, they, as far as I know, everyone has some sort of view to bring those together. Um, there's one called Good Notes, which is built on reminders. So uh, Apple's sort of generic inbuilt um, task manager is Reminders. And it's, I spent a few, a few hours with it and I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, it's, it's got some advantages of being sort of baked into the system. So it works very well with the voice assistant. And it's more powerful than I'd imagined, um, and more powered than it was. So I quite like playing with that. And then saw, oh, you can put good notes on top, and good notes sort um, of—it's almost like a skin that makes it more powerful and gives you more perspectives. And uh, it's—it's taken a lot of things that Reminders does and has applied them to a GTD-esque type system. Mm. So that's pretty cool Um, for me getting back to it i went through this whole thought process um i'm going to guess three four maybe even five years ago and uh sort of assessed one or two of the systems used a few of them and and settled on things being the best fit for me things three now uh, which is by culture code a german company um and the reason i i like things is that it's Simpler than OmniFocus, so I find it less intimidating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, its its strength, throat weakness is that it's Apple only; won't work on anything else. So there's no web interface. Uh, it doesn't work on Android. Uh, it doesn't work on PCs. Oops. Um, that doesn't bother me. So I like the aesthetic of it. Um, I like the the sort of under the hood of it because it does most of the things that Omnifocus does, but mm-hmm. not so customizably uh and not so much detail. Um, which is probably going to work okay for me. So uh what I've done is I have, as I said earlier, I've I've restarted a a sort of training course that I bought and went through uh all those years ago. I think I probably went through it three years ago, something like that. Um, from a guy called Peter Akis, who's you know, um a, a YouTube fellow um who sells courses. Um uh in in the show notes I think Justin will put there is a referral code if you are interested in doing it. Uh he, he does a course in Omnifocus as well, if you're that way inclined. Uh 20% off um and full disclosure, if you were to use that code, he would give me a credit to whatever I next want to spend money on with him. <laughs> um, so It's not exactly putting cash into my pocket, but I'm sure there'll be something that he does that I want to pay him for. Um, I'm not particularly interested in 20% for me, but if it is something you're interested in, 20% for you is probably worthwhile because I think the course is a couple of hundred bucks. Mm. So uh, 20% is what, $40 $40 off. Um, Yeah, things is, um, I, I think if you're an Apple user, it's a less sort of intimidating, scary um, prospect than the normally focus, but does largely the same things. The language is different. So if you look at your sort of morning startup, the way that I would achieve that best in things is it would be one task with a checklist. Um, I could do it as a project with multiple tasks and, you know, you can make all of those things repeat and recur and do all those things. But the, the organizational structure of things is different from, from OmniFocus. And some of the things that, I think, you know, going from one from the other, you, you look and go, oh, but where's that? It's probably in there. You just have to come at it from a different angle. Um, overall, I don't think it's as powerful as OmniFocus, but it's powerful enough for, for a user like me. So that's probably where I'm going to end up. I looked at another one was um, Microsoft To-Do. Microsoft is uh, doing a lot of stuff. If you're in the in the Windows world, uh, you can run it alongside and connected to uh, Outlook um, and integrate it. And I you know, I've given up using Windows machines, I've got one upstairs, but um, I, I let Mrs. Lennon play with that. Um, but apparently, that's pretty good. It's they bought uh, Wonderlist, who were a, a big noise in, in list apps way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they bought them and shut them down and called it Microsoft to do as, as these big companies tend to do. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a good few out there. Um, uh, remember the milk. Do you remember that oh, one? Wow.
0: That's- I remember the,
1: remember the milk. Yes. Yes. It's famously a Stephen Hackett's weakness.
0: <laughs> I, we all have our weaknesses when it comes to
1: task <laughs> managers too. Yeah, and it's, you know, apart from the the really weird logo, um, it's actually not bad. It's still it's still developed, it's still working, it's available on all platforms. Um, uh, so a friend of the show, um Inon Avital, here of Dapper Notes. Uh, we were working together on on the website. I um he was working on it and I was saying thank you a lot. And um he, he said, Okay, we'll just set up as a project and remember the milk. I'm like, okay. And it was all right it was, it's not bad it's, it's pretty old school but um for collaboration it's not a bad bad idea um but yeah i think you know that the the ferrari of this is is omni focus uh but if you're happy with a uh you know a fast bmw then i think it's probably things uh and then there's lots behind the downside of things is that you have to pay for the app for each platform yes. and uh it's not cheap
0: I I have been on OmniFocus so long, I don't even remember what the cost was. I know they've got uh, uh, some some of the new people are on a subscription basis, which, you know, we know makes sense for developers, but um, it, it can get expensive a little bit if you're, if you're doing that.
1: Yeah, I, I think these days that's how you get into OmniFocus is as a subscriber, I believe, but I haven't looked recently, I'll be honest. Yeah,
0: a couple of other things. Just I I didn't want to mention them, but seeing as Stu is talking about the other alternatives, uh, OmniFocus does have a bunch of automation and scripting. Um, It also has uh, all kinds of neat things that you could do. You could do custom notifications. You can. um, At one point, I even had it set up with geolocated tasks. So uh, when I left my office, for example. Uh, and I had to pick up my dry cleaning, it would actually send me a message that I would get on my Apple Watch saying, pick up your dry cleaning. Sure. Uh, because if I made the drive all the way home, I would say, I don't feel like going back out and doing that. And they closed fairly early. And so I had a very limited window to pick up shirts. And uh, that was frustrating. So so there are some really neat things like that you could do. There's um, uh, Sal Segoyan who... He's sort of one of the creatives behind, uh, the OmniFocus. He's an Apple guy. He did a bunch of really neat things over there. Um, he does a whole bunch of training for free on how to use advanced stuff. I keep it simple. I mean, I use some of that stuff once in a while, but really a task manager should be a tool for you, not. You become a slave to the task manager. And hopefully, that's the point that uh, I, I got through out of this conversation.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It's, um you know, th- the way that I've approached this, I'm doing the work four or five times over. Whereas if you do the work once by just researching, you don't have to research to, to the end of the, w- the world, but researching a little bit and going, okay, I'm going to commit to this app for the following reasons. So look at how long it's been around, look at it, it's still being developed. Look at a financial model that you understand, because if you don't understand it, then you probably are the financial model. Um, and pick one that works on the platforms that you use. And then as Justin says, build a system specific to you, that works for you, that you stick with and that you can trust. Ah, Stu, you just gave away my takeaway. Oh, sorry, did I? I've got that far. It's quite a long document this week. It really
0: is. All right, so my takeaway, uh, as Stu just said, is build a trusted system for you, whatever it may be. The best thing is a way to track the things you need to do. It, It will be a task manager because of the flexibility. A lot of the apps that Stu was talking about have very similar functionality. In fact, most of them do. It's kind of table stakes now for the basic functionality. Pick one that calls to you that does what you need it to do, but build it into that trusted system. The one that everything goes in, get it out of your mind into into your trusted system and review it regularly, because that's the only way that system will become trusted. Whether it's calendars, whether it's a notebook, a bullet journal, whether it's uh, something like OmniFocus or Things, uh, with you know the referral code for Stu. There, don't forget that it's important. Um, <laughs> go ahead and and build that system for you. And remember, it is a system for you, not you working the system.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I mean it's an excellent takeaway, and I say one that I should have paid more attention to myself. Um, I mean, mine is similar, I guess, but um, I would say that task managers are very similar to personal knowledge management, PKMs. They're designed to take cognitive load off your brain. By putting everything into your trusted system, you can use your brain for something else. Now, that something else can be deep work, which is, hey, you've become more productive. It can be watching the Formula One, which if that's what you want to do, well, hey, you're watching the Formula One, or it can be hanging out on social media which maybe isn't what you want to do. So this is one part of the process of getting yourself available for deep work. It will not automatically get you doing that deep work. There's still a whole load of decisions that you need to make what to do with this time and this extra capacity you have because you've lightened the cognitive load by outsourcing deadlines. Wow. Very good,
0: Stu. I think we're kind of on the same page, actually, at the end of all that.
1: I We, we are. It's just um, I've been very honest about not having a system working, <laughs> and I need to get that fixed.
0: Yeah, and, and I've been cheerleading. Uh, I'll, I'll put my pom-poms away now. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> this is a passionate subject that I really do find to be a game changer for me. So I will shut up and let Stu tell, tell you where you can find him on the Internet.
1: Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com, which is where I muse on all things. And I think I'd, I'd written up a draft about how I was using reminders as a as a task management system. I'm now going to have to rip that draft up and write a new one about how I'm reusing things. Uh, but you can also find me at nerosnotes.co.uk, where you'll find some excellent stationery. Or you can find me hanging out on Twitter at Stu or on Instagram at stuart.lennon.587. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you?
0: Well, if after all this talking, you still want to find me, um, you can find me at justintwyford.com. You can find both of us at stationaryadjacent.com. You can send us an email, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. I'll tell you why OmniFocus is the best test manager of choice, even though I think it is a personal decision and it really is not. It's what's going to be the trusted system for you. All right. uh, Please take a moment to review us. On your podcast, catch your choice. Five stars, please. Say something nice, because we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and your colleagues. Our next topic, I think this will be Stu talking instead of me, is going to be on managing notes. Until then, goodbye and stay productive.
1: Yes,